Welcome to LifePoint Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35 to 58. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must, be put, on, must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is, your, where is your sting? Where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We all have bodies, don't we? And um, our bodies are useful. 
I'm thankful for our bodies, you know. And we've been created with great design, great wonder. And at times, our bodies fail us. Um, our bodies fail us. Maybe it's a turned ankle. Maybe it's uh, we get a disease. Maybe it's that we break an arm. But uh, oftentimes through this life, we feel the, the wear and tear on our natural bodies. And the passages here are for believers, uh, believers in Jesus Christ as their only hope to heaven. Uh, we get to learn about that there is not just the blessed hope of heaven, but a new body, a new body. We're gonna learn more about that together here today. To review where we've been, to do a quick review, just to remind you, some of you have not been with us or maybe in and out of the series. Uh, we really started this series uh, on Easter morning because uh, oftentimes we get a bigger attendance on Easter morning and sometimes people have to come to church because mom or grandma's making them and they're skeptical about the faith. And so we hope and pray that you have lasted throughout this series with us because we love it. We love it that we have people uh, everywhere. Everyone in this room is coming with a different journey. Uh, to this place. And so, in the first 11 chapters of this chapter, or first 11 verses of this uh, 15th chapter, we see that Paul shows evidence for the resurrection. That was our first week, uh, verses 1 through 11. 12 through 20, verses 12 through 20, we got to learn Paul explains the importance of the resurrection by going all in on the poker, ta- all in on the poker table by saying, if the resurrection is not true, then we are fools wasting our lives. Moving on from there, verses 20 through 28, our third sermon in this series, Paul shows results of the resurrection, namely Christ reigning victorious over death. And then last week we got to hear Zach up here with his uh, leg propped up. We got to hear 29 through 34. Paul presents two arguments for the resurrection from experience. He points to a strange practice in Corinth and then the way Christians endanger their lives as evidence that resurrection must be true. We're being reminded by a quote from C.S. Lewis through our series here. And uh, this quote is quite profound. It's made, uh, several of you have been quoting it, uh, trying to paraphrase it, and maybe now's the time to take a picture of it, to burn it into your your memories here. Uh, But C.S. Lewis had this quote back in 1945, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. So you'll see with the scriptures, it becomes quite definitive. It becomes quite uh, all or nothing. It's, it's, it's got a whole lot of black and white and very little gray. Um, and this is a, a time where we, I think back and I think for each and every one of you in this room and those of you watching online at home, For each and every person in this room, it's either heaven or it's hell. It's not in between. It's one or the other. It's either heaven or it's hell. And I am praying by God's grace that maybe, just maybe, today we get to see uh, someone, a miracle, a miracle happen, a miracle of miracles, someone uh, this morning would stand and profess their faith in Jesus for the first time. So for our passages this morning, 35 through 58, we're gonna get started with verse 35, and we hear two questions that Paul is responding to. 
he's responding to because a letter has been written from this church in Corinth, this baby church, and Paul is writing them um, hundreds of miles away in the church of Ephesus, um, across the ocean, and uh, he is writing them, and, and he's being very emphatic. Remember, at the very beginning, the, the church in Corinth is struggling with many different things, sexual immorality, they, they, they're trying to get an order of what is responsible, what is practical for worship, how do you condone worship in public, how do you... How do you view things like, is there really a resurrection? And that's what our whole chapter 15 is all about. That's what this series is about. There's a resurrection reality. And so they're asking questions. How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And uh, Paul is being very passionate in his writing here uh, throughout this this whole chapter. He's being very passionate, very... uh, concerted about making certain that people are, are, are certain that there is a resurrection. And he starts off by saying, uh, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And he, and he follows that with, you foolish person. You foolish person. Which another way could be said is like, how dumb can you be? What a stupid question. You foolish person. The Old Testament, folks, is littered with points to a resurrection. With, with, it points to many times, starting with Abraham and his son Isaac. It starts off and it continues on through the Psalms, through our, the prophets and the minor prophets. They are continuing looking to the God who was able to resurrect the dead. He says, you foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. What you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen to each kind of seed its own body. You see, the Corinthians at this time, they're, they're, they're asking an honest question, really. They're saying, like, how, they, they've been around death before. They've dug holes and put people in holes. They've seen decay happen. Uh, decomposing, that matter becomes an organic matter over time. Worms will crawl through our bones. They've seen that, and so they look at this mess, and they're asking Paul, I think, an honest question. How is the resurrection to happen? How can a body come from from that? And so Paul is going to be very concerned, and he's pointing back to scriptures as he does, and he's going to use Isaiah and uh, Hosea later on in, in his, his uh, treating of this. But what kind of body resurrects from that mess? And he starts pointing to three different uh, illustrations. The first being of a seed. We all know what a seed is, right? Remember those little package of seeds that you shake them and they make a nice little noise in the, in the package and you start wondering about what can happen of, of each one of the seeds. The, the teacher tells me that if we simply plant it in the soil, maybe back in elementary school, or maybe even all the way to biology, I even remember seeing a time-lapse video of watching a seed next to the clear glass. It gets planted, it gets dropped into this fertile soil. Pat it around and walk away, and the camera just watches, and this seed sits there. And then all of a sudden, the time-lapse camera captures up to the speed, and and there, that seed splits. And the first thing, down goes a root. It's beautiful to watch. Go home and watch it. It's beautiful to watch. This seed just splits, 
drops a root, and then roots come out from that root, coming to the sides, and then up pops, shoots this birth of this little green little bean sprout coming up. And you watch this little, this little plant wiggle and wiggle, time lapse and time lapse and wiggle and wiggle and, and pop out new leaves and new leaves and new leaves and, and pop up. And over 25 days, you get to see this little plant. It could only come because the seed had to die. Life comes and rises anew when that seed is planted and it dies. And so Paul gives this first imagery here for us to learn from that this is what happens. This is the beauty of life after death. He points to a seed, first of all. Jesus speaks of the seed. Jesus speaks of the seed in John chapter 12. Verse 24, Jesus was speaking of himself as he said this. The seed must die in order for life to begin. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is speaking of himself and his death that is to come. It's a miracle. This is marvelous. As I was walking around praying this morning in the neighborhood behind us, I got to see these flowering trees all coming full into bloom. And it's beautiful. And then it started raining on me. And it started raining on the trees. And then it made the trees smell even more effervescent. It was just a beauty out there this morning. And it made me, made me think of that song we sang this morning. It made me ache to breathe the air of heaven. If it can be that beautiful on a May 7th day of these flowering trees, and I know some of you are mad at these trees because it's fired up your allergies, but hey, they're beautiful. They're beautiful in sight. They're beautiful in smell. I wish I could even hear how beautiful they are, but I can't hear them. This is a, this, this be, Paul begins his explanation of life after death, and he begins it with a seed. A seed must die. It must be buried. It truly is buried. And then he goes on in verse 39, he's talking about flesh. Flesh, for not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, and another for birds, and another for fish. So he's identifying, as he's focusing on body here, he's, he's talking about all the birth order. He's talking about the differences in, of species that we have. And, and thank God that our, our, our wife's neck doesn't feel like a, a toad, you know, like the, the, the skin of a toad but it's, it's like the softness of the back of her, of her neck. He creates each one of us with, with purpose. You know, a dog has flesh that is separate from, from a whale's. Uh, a whale's is quite different from an eagle's. This is our creative God that he creates birth, he creates creation, and he gives us, with each one of us, a specific beauty of his creation. Verse 40, he takes our bodies look into the heavens into the heavens. These are heavenly bodies. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one of, of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, and the star differs from star in glory. He's saying this without any sort of help from any sort of telescope. This is God's word just being more and more brilliantly clear and accurate. And he is pointing to the fact that not only is every star unique, every creature unique, but each one of us humans 
are uniquely different. Even though we have a sameness to us, each one of us is carrying a different DNA code. Each one of us is unique. And it causes him to be a bit in wonder as he tries to explain what he's going to start really bringing home for us, the explanation of the resurrection. I put together a chart for you to look at um, as, I tr- as I read through the verses uh, 42 on. And you'll be able to see here just how the, the parallels and how, how Paul is going to, and a whole lot of words that Janine read for us, he's going to bring together some understanding and order. And I, I've, I hope that this chart is helpful for you. <clears throat> so is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Everyone has a natural body. We'll have a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. We know this to be Jesus. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, Adam, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, Jesus. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have become the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of, man of heaven. I'm thankful for this, this way that Paul is writing it out across the sea, hoping, praying, knowing that the best is yet to come. And he wants to inform this young Corinthian church to let them know that, trust me, the imperishable is going to come. And it's needed. A new body is needed. So let's go to what, what he's going to finish with. Let's go to verse 50. How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? These two questions he's responding to from the church of Corinth. And in verse 50, it starts to get my blood pumping a little bit faster in my veins. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and shall be changed. Folks, What he is expecting here is that at any moment, Jesus is going to return as he promised. A second return to bring home his bride. He is, I think Paul Paul even expected it to happen within his own lifetime. And yet here we are at church 2,000 years later waiting for Jesus to come back. His return is what we say is imminent, which means at any moment, Jesus will return for his church to make all things new which we're learning in this passage is one of those things is our bodies. So the dead who are asleep, oftentimes the scriptures speak to uh, the dead as asleep, they will rise new with a new spiritual body. 
This is God's idea. And those of us who are living, walking, singing, talking, watching movies, washing our car, as we are doing our life as followers of Jesus, when he comes, that last trumpet call sounds, we will be made new. And how does he say it? In a twinkling of an eye, like that. As, as long as it takes you to close your eyes and, and we'll blink or to look this way or the other, your eyes are quick. That transformation will be instantaneous and it will be only by God's glory that that happens. This stretches our mind because we don't oftentimes think about life ever after. Many of us in this room don't think of death coming to our being personal for us. We know other people die, but that may not happen to, it's probably not going to happen to me. Let me tell you folks that research says 10 out of 10 of us are going to die. It's coming. We don't know when. We don't know when. We're not in control of that. So oftentimes, many of us don't think about it. Back in my uh, college days in human development class, uh, they talked about how oftentimes adolescents struggle with a personal fable. A personal fable. It won't happen to me. I can drive and I can drink and I can drive and I'll be fine. It won't, I won't get pulled over. It won't happen to me. And oftentimes, many of us just don't leave adolescence with that type of thinking and thinking like, I won't, I won't have any heart issues or I, I, I won't get into a, a fatal car accident or I won't choke on a piece of food and die in a restaurant. Or I won't. But each one of these things that I mention, we probably all know people that has happened to some of those things. So why wouldn't it happen to you? A personal fable. Many of us live forward with and, and act like death really won't happen to us until... We're 89, 99, 99. Some of our younger people in the room, the lifespan's going to be maybe 112, whatever. Long time from now, I got time to get right. You don't know the time that the Lord has for you. Some of us in this room think about death often. for us personally. Some of us, the older we get, the more we realize numbers matter and blood pressure and milligrams and, and it starts coming closer and closer to us. Some of us are walking around with an active diagnosis of cancer. I'll never forget a friend of mine 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, Ken, he was a youth pastor friend of mine. He got diagnosed with cancer very late in cancer terms. He was 45. And uh, we got together for lunch in a busy restaurant. And Ken was always optimistic, happy, way too sarcastic. And uh, so I'm meeting with him for lunch because I love him. I'm caring for him. I found out he's got this this cancer diagnosis that is quite challenging. And we got together, and he's being the same old 
happy, happy kin. Slapping me on my back, ordering real quick, talking to the waitress long, and we sit down, we sit down on our food, and he says, can I pray? I said, sure. And he launched into like a five-minute long prayer that was, I remember thinking, this is what it's like to pray with a man who probably is not going to be here for another year. But he loved to pray. And you could sense the seriousness of eternity by how he prayed. Even before I came up here to, to preach before you today, a friend of mine came over to me uh, struggling with cancer. Struggling through the treatment. But eager to pray and eager to share with me that God is good. And he prayed for your, each one of you to hear this message. That God's will would be done. I love that. God ministered to me that prayer. Some of us don't think about death very often. Some of us think about it all too often. And it's at times like this, as a preacher, I don't want to miss the moment of what God is speaking to each one of you. You know, I think some of us walk around thinking we're certain of something that in actuality we're not, we shouldn't be certain. <laughs> I was thinking of this, trying to bring, bring uh, an explanation to this, and I hope this helps, but uh, I, I was born a long time ago in Logan County Hospital in Sterling, Colorado. And uh, at the moment, I became a citizen of the United States, right? I'm an American. So, born of parents who are citizens in the country, makes me a citizen. What did I do to earn that, that right to be a citizen of the United States? It just happened. I, I was minding my own business inside my mom. <laughs> I did nothing. I did nothing for a long time as an infant, as a baby, as a child. As a teenager, I did a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> but I'm a citizen of this great country. I did nothing. And then it got me to thinking about being a citizen of heaven. Okay? Stay with me through the turns here. A citizen of heaven, you know, my personal testimony is, is that I've always believed in God. I, I looked around at the nature, at the, at the wonders of this world, and, and the smell of the trees, and, and I just believed in God. Ask me about Jesus, and I don't know anything about Jesus. I don't have a Bible. I don't know how to read it. I don't know anything of that. But I just felt kind of like, just like I'm an American citizen, I would naturally, I wanted. I vote that instead of that, so I uh, just go to heaven because I'm a good person, and that's that. And too often I think people in this room and online, we think 
the best of ourselves and we have these blind spots and we're like missing it greatly like just because you've always believed in God does not make you right with God. You see, God sent his one and only son as the perfect, perfect sacrifice. So in a moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, share, with you, um, I'm gonna share with you the gospel in, in a couple minutes. But for some of you in this room, your time is now to make your faith in Jesus secure, to make it known. And so after I share the gospel, I'll, I'll let you know when, but I just wanna ask you to do a simple profound thing, a simple and profound thing, a bold thing, but something that you are able to do. If you have yet, ever, if you have yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand and we could all potentially witness a miracle. Remember, it's either heaven or it's hell for every one of us. The gospel can be, can be summed up with a simple acronym. It's much, the gospel is, is, is beautiful and safe enough for the youngest child to be able to swim in the waters of the gospel. And the gospel is deep enough that the, the most tenured theologian will never reach the bottom, the depths of the ocean. God created us to be with him. That's how the story begins in Genesis chapters one and two. God created us to be with him, and that's beautiful. We, Adam, lived, Eve lived with no shame. Can you imagine that? Living life without shame? It was not part of the vocabulary. It's not part of the understanding. God created us to be with him. But then our sin, Adam and Eve sinned, and every human after that moment has been separated from God. Our sin separates us from God, from this beautiful fellowship He created us with. The thing that we need to grow in appreciation for is that God is holy. He is just. He will make all things right. He does not entertain or condone sin. He does not tolerate it at all. And each one of us in this room are in the same boat. We have all sinned and fallen very short of God. For fallen short of God's glory. And sin cannot be erased by our good deeds. Sin cannot be erased by having a, a faulty view of citizenship. Sin cannot be erased by church attendance or, or any of that. Sin can't be erased by good deeds. But paying the price, Jesus died. Paying the price. The perfect came to this world and died. He died a sinless man full of love and faith. He, he hung on that cross for all of humanity all nation, tongue, and tribe, Jesus hung on that cross. He took it, and it hurt. It was painful. It was, they mocked him. 
what love our Father has for us to send His Son to this wicked and cruel world to die for the people who are spitting on Him and laughing at Him and mocking at Him. Paying the price. Christ died. Jesus died. And everyone who trusts in Jesus will have life eternal. And life with Jesus means we'll be with him forever. Some of you have been coming to church for a few weeks now, a few months now. and Some of you have been uncertain about your past. and I've talked with you, you know. But you know, this is a safe place. I think you keep coming back because um, the love of God is here. And people love you. God loves you. And so I simply just want to be a person that, uh, that wants to position you to make a great decision, an eternal decision. If you have yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you recognize your great, great need to receive him because Jesus saves you. You know what he saves you from? He saves you from the Father because the Father's gonna make all things right. And he's a God of justice. He's a God full of love. And he demonstrated that by sending Jesus to die for all of us who have sinned. So if you have yet to receive Jesus and you are looking for the opportunity to do so, I want to provide that opportunity now for you to simply but profoundly uh, stand where you are. We want to recognize that and affirm the work that Jesus is doing in your heart and soul. You can do that now. At home, on the live stream, in your living room, if that is you, you can stand now. Is there anyone who would want to do that this morning? Amen. God bless you. Anyone wants to stand with my brother here? Don't let fear hold you back because this is a safe room. Can we give God a love opportunity? Anyone else? We can clap again. That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.